the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as light and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. I'm getting high on the Holy Ghost as I am drunk in the Holy Ghost under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Lift your hands, everybody, come on. Intoxicated by the Holy Ghost. I'm getting high on the Holy Ghost as I am drunk in the Holy Ghost under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Intoxicated by the Holy Ghost. I'm getting high on the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the wine. <laughs> hey. Thank you for the wine. Thank you for the wine. Thank you for the wine. I see the invincible, I see the invincible, I hear the love. I just come on. I just I do the impossible. The impossible. I see. I I hear, I hear the and I touch, I touch the Hallelujah. This is the actual size of our church. The wood that came last week came for Faji. <laughs> Good to see you. The choir was supposed to minister, but they are under the influence, so we are just going to move on. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Some of you are not sure what exactly you are involved with. <laughs> this is a Holy Ghost service, and um, services as these are very spontaneous. We may plan for something, but God can change the plans. So we just yield to Him and flow, and do as He instructs and orders and leads. I told the church on Friday for those who came to the prayer meeting in today's service. Choose dominion over dignity. Everybody say, I choose, I choose dominion, dominion over dignity. What does that mean? It means that <laughs> some of your experiences may be wild. Don't suppress it. Don't, you know, quench it. You may not understand, but that's why you're a person of faith. Faith believes even when they don't understand. There will be many uncontrollable activities, as it were, crimes, laughings, prophetic postures. That means some of you may just feel like running. <laughs> At a point, I just felt like walking, and I knew I was walking somewhere. <laughs> I knew I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere, a destination in the spirit. So just keep going, keep going till you get it. Hallelujah. Amen. All you are supposed to do in this service is just to yield. Just yield. Just yield. It's a Holy Ghost service. And in services as this, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Everybody say, Liberty have no idea how much liberty comes to your natural body when you jump in the spirit, when you dance in the spirit. I know how I felt when I came into the service because of several labors. And I know how I feel now just by some exercise in the spirit as it were. So what I encourage you, it may be strange to you, but you get used to it. You get used to it. And the more you get used to it, the more you experience deeper things. Hallelujah to Jesus. I said, Hallelujah to Jesus. Whatever we'll be doing this morning is just to help us enjoy God. Just to help us enjoy God. I think that that's something that our generation has lacked. Christianity has become very boring, very organized, just organized religion. There's no, there are no surprises. We've got to understand that God is alive. Amen. Amen. So alive. So alive, so active, so at work. And I ask us to position ourselves to be on the receiving end of all that he does. So in my teaching tonight, or my teaching this morning, remain sensitive to the move of the Spirit. When I minister like this, I often tell and encourage people to have their own personal dealings. Your personal dealings may continue while I'm teaching. Don't suppress it. I can guarantee you, even while I'm teaching, it's okay to shout. It's okay to lift your hands. It's okay to stand and run. It's okay. That's the service like this. Me, I know. If God doesn't want me to preach, if you close my notes in one minute, I'm not going to argue with you. 
I'm just going to yield. So if you think that you're doing me a favor by suppressing the spirit in you, actually you're not. We all drink differently. Some of us are professional drunks. Seven bottles cannot get them yet. They will stay with the 12th and the 13th before they start. Some other people, the first bottle, they're off. Everybody's got different responses to the touch of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Some people, it takes a while for them to get drunk. Some other people, just from the word go, they are already there. Um, even in the natural, women respond faster to alcohol than men. <laughs> That's because of their body mass and a couple of other tissue realities, as it were. So, if somebody's getting drunk beside you, you just, you just begin to position yourself. This is not a show. Tell your neighbor, this is not a show. This is a party. You know, when you go to a wedding party, why do you go? To honor the couple? Is that not so? But if they say in this wedding party there's no food, how will you feel? <laughs> you will say, ah, why will, why will no go chop? For party. Say, what is not about food? I know, but we go see chop. So, you will pray one prayer because some of you, your wine has not yet arrived. Mm, that's why you are still doing it. You are still looking. You, you pray, you see, everybody's got a customized wine. <laughs> People in the beer parlor, everybody was not doing the same thing. So say, give me star. So say, give me Guinness. So say, give me, which other one? Trophy. So say, give me Gouda, the ultimate. Everybody's got their own wine. You have your own. And if your own has not yet arrived, you can say, Jesus, I came to the party and I'm not served. And my Ashoebi is here. <laughs> your Ashoebi is your fit, by the way. <laughs> Hallelujah. I came with Ashoebi. How come I've not been served? You've got to ask for your own wine. Everybody's got their own wine. Everybody's got their own wine. I know my wine. I know when it comes to me. I know how I respond to it. I know. And if it's not there, I wait. I don't force it. I wait. I wait. I wait. I wait. I wait. I wait. And I say, God, everybody is served. We've been served. Where's my own? So in two minutes, say, Jesus, send my wine. Pray. Two minutes. Jesus, send my wine. Send my wine. Send my wine. Send my wine. I've not come for a show. I've not come to observe. I've come to experience. Experience experience send my wine the one customized for me the one tailor made for my situation send my wine Jesus surely you have me in mind surely I will not be forgotten surely you've got something prepared for me surely send my wine Jesus send my wine Jesus Send my wine, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we have prayed. So, Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Let us look into the scriptures. Once again, let me emphatically say it. Even my wife has asked me to always say it. Because some of you say I didn't say it. 
once you know that the influence is rising it is okay to stand to lift your hands and receive your portion we don't know how the services or the service will unfold i may not be able to lay hands on anybody or everybody or some people or you can receive your portion while the ministers were singing the holy ghost was already touching so it's not me it's not a me thing you can receive your portion as the word is being taught your portion can be served once you notice that the table has been set before you begin to drink hallelujah Amen. in verse 18 of Ephesians 5 it says and be not drunk with wine wherein it is excess but be filled with the spirit go to verse 19 and verse 20 please speaking to yourself i'll explain this verse hopefully later in the teaching speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord giving thanks always for all things unto god and the father in the name of our lord jesus christ so I'll teach on drunk in the spirit drunk in the spirit let us pray for a few seconds here jesus thank you for your wine served in abundant measure we receive the liberty of the spirit in full expression we are transformed we will never be the same again in jesus name we pray drunk in the spirit from a general Christian perspective, many people will agree that Ogogoro is not good. Being drunk is not a good thing. Many Christians will say wine is sinful. And there is a scriptural sentiment that seems to support this statement. The first person to get drunk as recorded in scripture was our father Noah. Interestingly, after he came out from the ark, maybe he wanted to celebrate, but he took some wine. Genesis chapter 9, verse 21. He got drunk, he got naked. Well, one of his child saw him and laughed and ended the curse himself and his generation. So we see that that's not a good example to follow. Tell your neighbor, don't be like Noah. Mm. <laughs> So clearly from scriptures we see there, we see the sentiment that suggests that drunkenness or being drunk is not something good. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1. It says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. Whoever is deceived by it is not wise. In other words, wine will make you violent, make you on the edge. And if you are giving yourself to drinking alcohol, the Bible says that you are simply not wise. You can argue and argue and argue and argue and argue. You can say, well, uh -uh. Jesus taught water to wine. I know. <laughs> but scripture is clear. Either it's given to wine, or either it's given to drinking, or that is given to drunkenness is not wise. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul recommending um, certain criteria for being a bishop. 
he says a bishop must not be given to wine. Somebody says, well, it's only bishop that should not drink wine. Uh -uh. Everything that was listed in 1 Timothy 3 is an example of the believer. He must be patient. The believer must be patient. He must be, you know, no striker, not greedy. The believer must be no striker, not greedy. Not a brawler. The word brawler, like we saw in Proverbs 20, is talking about quarrelsome, argumentative, fighter. And he must not be given to wine. So clearly, the Bible has already set it from fundamental principles. Drinking wine is not recommended in scriptures. Especially when it gets to drunkenness. However, there is also a sentiment in scriptures that affirms that wine is not altogether bad. And you've got to understand the context of the conversations when we say things like wine, when we say things like strong drink, when we say things like Jesus turned water to wine. You've got to understand that it was not that Jesus created dry gin, aromatic shinap. That's not the idea. Basically, the general drink in those days was just called wine, general drink. However, we have to admit that some of them, if not most of them, had some percentage of alcohol in it. But for instance, in Psalm 104 and verse 15, the Bible tells us that God gives wine to make the heart of man glad. In other words, wine is, as it were, an innovation of God to gladden the heart of man. And that's why... Wherever there are parties, weddings, in Bible days, there will be wine. You cannot say, it's a party, let's drink water. <laughs> water was not designed to gladden the heart of man. Water was designed to quench thirst. Wine was designed to gladden the heart of man. Say, thank you, Jesus, for the wine. And when you are saying, thank you, Jesus, for the wine, that could mean your, pro your favorite, you know, juice or drink that does not get you drunk. Grapes were made by God and from there, wine can be made. I am not saying drinking wine is good. Though. I'm showing you Bible sentiments so that you can have a holistic understanding of the subject. However, the main emphasis for the New Testament Christian should not be on natural things. We can't be wasting our time arguing whether drinking Wine is good. Drinking beer is a sin and all of that. In a nation, Germany, beer is like coffee. In fact, many of the great evangelists from that country, they just took it like a, like a drink, like a snack. Of course, they did not get drunk. And so the argument may continue. Is alcohol itself a sin? I'm showing you both perspectives. But the Christian should not be bothered about things like that. We should be thinking about and talking about the wine of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the wine of the Holy Ghost. So in Ephesians 5.18, Paul gives a straight commandment. Don't be drunk with wine. And the first statement was in reference to natural wine. In case you are saying, well, that was Old Testament. In New Testament, all things are lawful. Paul says, well, don't be drunk with wine. And then he mentions something else in the next statement that gives you a substitute for wine. But be filled 
with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. And I know that for the believer, you have many appetites. For the Christian, your flesh or your body or your cravings may still be for some natural things. But you've got to understand that Paul recommends a better substitute. Do not be drunk with wine, wearing is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost came in his fullness upon the disciples in the upper room, the Bible says that he came with several signs. Some of the signs included utterance signs. So the languages that they spoke were very strange in the sense that they did not learn it naturally. There was also fire on their head sat upon every one of them. There was also the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And in the midst of all this commotion and chaos, in verse 13, the people looked at them. The unbelievers looked at them and said, these guys are drunk. They are full of new wine. They have drank something. I was telling the church on Friday, it was not just tongues that made the people say they have drank something. If I see you speaking in Chinese, and your Chinese is actually accurate, you're not faking it, you're not forming it, I'm not likely to say you have drunk something. I will say who taught you Chinese? You this Kaba boy. Ijabu girl, where you learn Chinese? And so, you cannot say that all the crowd saw in Acts chapter 2 was tongues. They saw other things that made them say, these people are drunk with wine. They might have seen them falling on the ground, rolling, yelling, laughing, shouting, screaming. And they say, ah, these people are drunk. These people are drunk. So when we talk about, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You see from scripture that there is a drunkenness, as it were, of the Holy Ghost. There is a feeling of the Holy Ghost that resembles the drunkenness with wine. Paul says, why settle for wine when you can have the Holy Ghost? Why get drunk in the flesh when you can get drunk in the spirit? Why be intoxicated by carnality when you can be intoxicated by the Holy Ghost? Do not be drunk with wine, wearing in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So he's comparing being filled with the Spirit as being or with being drunk with wine. Are we still together here? So you've got to ask yourself, what happens when people get drunk with wine? That is something similar will happen to me when I'm drunk with the Spirit. And although, like we will soon see, natural wine, when it leads to drunkenness, only cheapens your life. Being drunk in the Holy Ghost actually improves your life. Hallelujah! Let me say, say two powerful statements from this Ephesians 5.18 that I need to note, especially when you read the verse again. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What he's saying, 
fundamentally, firstly, is that you will have to choose your intoxication. Choose your intoxication. Because you cannot have both. Those who will be drunk with wine will never be drunk in the spirit. Those who will be filled with wine will never be filled with the spirit. Those who will be intoxicated with wine will never be intoxicated with the spirit. You've got to choose. You cannot combine both. And you may say, well, I don't drink wine. Why not? But what is your intoxication? I always ask, waiting they shock you. I've seen many people who have been shocked on several things that are not useful. Somebody can be intoxicated on football. Somebody can be intoxicated on movies. Somebody can be intoxicated on music. Somebody can be intoxicated on money. Everybody's got something that intoxicates them. One is in the flesh, the other is in the spirit. So wine here is not just talking about alcohol. It's talking about every intoxication of the flesh. Every intoxication of nature. And I'm not just talking about sinful things. I'm talking about everything that brings you into ecstasy. It's called wine. And Paul says, don't be drunk in that direction. Instead, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Say this after me. I will be filled with the Holy Ghost. I will be filled with the Holy Ghost. I will be filled with the Holy Ghost. The second thing you should note from the text here before we progress is that in Acts chapter 2, they were not expecting what happened. They did not plan for it. They didn't know it would come like that. Jesus told them, tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from an eye. That's all Jesus told them. Jesus didn't tell them that they would look like drunken men. Jesus promised them power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus didn't say anything about getting drunk or people mocking, saying, these guys are filled with new wine. Jesus didn't say anything about staggering and walking around as though you are tipsy. All he said was, you shall receive power. And they waited and experienced several things that made people say, these guys are drunk. They have taken some. But in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, Paul begins to teach that there are things you can do to actually drink and get high and get drunk in the spirit. Somebody says, what happened in Acts chapter 2 was not planned. They were not expecting it. So when you call something drunk in the spirit service, you have already spoiled it because in Acts chapter 2, they were not even expecting it. Well, that's true. But now that there is a pattern to imitate, Paul now teaches. Just the same way somebody can deliberately get drunk in the natural, you can also deliberately get drunk in the spirit. Say, well, it just happens like that. Yes, sometimes it's just spontaneous. We're not expecting it. But there are things you can do to trigger it. Yeah. Because as soon as he mentions be filled with the Spirit, in verse 19, he begins to give you a clue on how to trigger this activity. He says, speaking to yourself. This refers to two things. Number one, the outflow of being drunk in the Spirit or the way to get drunk in the spirit. So when you are drunk in the spirit, there will be speakings. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I said in my introduction, many Christians find Christianity boring. There is no melody in their heart. 
Well, that's probably because they don't get drunk. And they have not received the instruction. So in Ephesians 5.18, it is an instruction. This, there are two instructions in Ephesians 5.18. Number one, don't be drunk with wine. Number two, be drunk with the Spirit. Hallelujah. The first instruction, don't be drunk with wine. You may say, well, I've done that. I don't drink. Yeah, that's fine. But that's not where it stops. Because your heart, if it does not get satisfied in God, it will look for something else to be satisfied in. God will be unfair to remove ecstasy of the flesh and not replace it with the ecstasy of the spirit. Unfair. Because the heart was made to be glad. God is not happy to see you bored and depressed and sad and sorrowful. Why? Why? What, what joy does that give God? <laughs> and so, you are instructed to drink. I said it last week. These kind of services are preventive services. There are things that does not happen to you when you are always drunk. Always drunk. You're always I. <laughs> always I. You don't roll with the low level realities of life. Always I. There are some thoughts that will not even cross your mind because you're always high. And Paul says do this as often as possible. Drink. You see because when he compares drinking in the spirit to drinking in the flesh is trying to paint a picture of consistency. You don't get drunk because you drank a little. I just some people have bought some things for me that I didn't know were alcoholic, and I just looked at it after the first cup. I'm like, and then check ah, eight percent danger, danger, danger. But I didn't get drunk. I might have felt a little bit awkward, but I didn't get drunk. So, drinking must be consistent for it to become something that is described as drunk. So, it didn't say be half filled with the spirits. Be filled. So, it's talking about a progressive reality. Some people are empty. It doesn't mean the Holy Ghost has left them. It means that they don't get drunk as often as possible. Be filled with the spirits. Be drunk in the spirit. If you know what to do, you can be drunk every day. Hallelujah. We do these things so that you can replicate it when you want to replicate it in your privacies. So we show you that it's not about a superstar pastor. From the onset of the service, the drunkenness begins. There are spiritual songs you can connect to that will get you drunk. And there are canal songs that you can connect to that will get you drunk. But choose your intoxication. One is in the spirit, one is in the flesh. There are even many Christian songs that will get you drunk in the flesh. It's called, it's called a Christian song. But when you hear it, you'll be drunk in the flesh, not in the spirit. It's tough. No, it does not provide any spiritual edification. <laughs> It may provide some excitement, but not edification. So Paul speaks about spiritual songs, psalms and hymns. Making melodies in your heart. I don't know if you have ever, ever longed for consistent measures of being drunk, but it all begins from today in your life in the name of Jesus. People who get high in the flesh 
claim to be enjoying. They go there, they drink four bottles, six bottles, seven bottles. I can tell you it's nothing. If I thought there's any pleasure there, it's nothing compared to being drunk in the spirit. It's nothing. The flesh is overrated. Nature is overrated. The real deal is the spirit. I said the real deal is the spirit. So do not be drunk with wine. That's an instruction. But be filled with the spirit. And you can experience this as consistently as you want to. Let me mention as I progress in this conversation. What happens when a man is drunk in the spirit. You know we taught you church history on Wednesday. And we showed you. How the Methodist guys, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, George Whitefield, they were first called Methodist Holy Club because they were very, very calm and composed, very dignified. They don't shout, they don't yell, they read the Bible, they pray. But one day they had a Pentecost experience and people changed their name to the Enthusiasts. From Holy Club to Enthusiasts. And severally, when John Wesley will preach, there will be shoutings and screamings and laughter and crimes. All by the Holy Ghost. These are people that were raised in a very conservative manner. Even John Wesley's sermon was not shouty and screamy. It was quite a very composed preacher. But it is in the spirit. Everybody say, in the spirit. In the spirit. By, the spirit. by the spirit. One more time, in the spirit. In the spirit. By, the spirit. by the spirit. What happens when a man gets drunk in the spirit the first thing you notice from the lessons in the flesh is that there is a loss of control and coordination what i mean is that if you see somebody coming close to you and is staggering there's no coordination in his movement he's hopping and limping it's not working normally and you know him before that this person does not have any sickness does not have a cerebral problem. You might begin to say, maybe he's drunk. Maybe he's high. Maybe he drank something. So from the natural, when a man is drunk, he begins to lose control. He loses coordination. The staggering effect becomes a reality. He staggers. There's no balance. I've researched the subject and I've discovered alcohol affects the inner ear, which is responsible for balance, especially in high measures. And so you see people wobble, stumble, some fall and pick themselves up. But you see a lack of control. What is the implication for the spiritual man? Listen to me, God wants to control your life. The Holy Ghost wants to control your life. When a man is drunk, we say he's under the influence of alcohol. When a man is filled with the Spirit, we say he's under the influence of the Spirit. Under the influence. Under the influence. It means that the controlling power over his life is now the Holy Ghost. Self-control is a Christian virtue, but the greatest of virtues are found in Holy Ghost controls. Even in services as this, many people fight and try to control themselves. I like the song we say, carry me, they go. Baba, carry me, they go, they go, they go. What how many times have the Holy Ghost carried into where you don't know? See, they carry me where I don't know. 
listen to me, your life does not start until the Holy Ghost begins to control you. I know you use the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues. I'm not talking about that. I know why you want to send ballistic missile to the camp of your enemy. You say, Holy Ghost, fire. Go, now, attack them, destroy them. I'm saying that's not life. Life is when the Holy Ghost now begins to control you. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Jesus Christ was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Ghost. And then he returned in the power of the Spirit. That's when life started as a brother for Jesus. Prior to that time, he was not known. There was nothing special about him. Just a carpenter's son. But once he allowed himself to be controlled and to be moved by the Spirit, he returned in the power. He returned in the power. We've got to just yield. The Holy Ghost is safe. Tell your neighbor the Holy Ghost is safe. I prefer Christians who are careless, as it were, enough to open themselves to spiritual realities than Christians who are too careful to experience God. Both of them are excesses. But I prefer a particular excess. <laughs> your life does not begin until the Holy Ghost can control you. The value of your life is a measure of how much the Holy Ghost can control you. Do not be drunk with wine, wearing in excess. The phrase wearing in excess says it only cheapens your life. Being drunk in the flesh chippings your life. That's all it does. That's all it does. It removes honor from a man. It removes glory from a man. It chippings life. But being drunk in the spirit has value. However, being drunk in the spirit cannot happen without being filled with the spirit, without coming under the influence of the spirit. We are too planned and too programmed the Holy Ghost cannot interrupt our schedule. We must learn again to come under the influence. Are you listening to me? Yes. When last did the Holy Ghost change your mind? Paul wanted to preach the gospel. He had planned to go. And the Holy Ghost did not permit him. Mm. Even on good matters, the Holy Ghost can change your mind. Until he had a vision of someone in Macedonia saying, come to us. And then he said, wow, that's my signal. I'm going. Jesus was driven into the wilderness. Not by hunger, but by the Spirit. That was why he returned in the power of the Spirit. There is no power of the Spirit without being under the influence of the Spirit. Our generation wants to use the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is looking for who to use. Who he can use, rather. Who he can use. He's searching. Who can I use? Who can I use? Who can I use? He's looking. Powerful men are powerful not because they have learned how to use God, but because they have learned how to come under the influence of the Spirit. So whatever you want me to do, I will do. It may not be popular. I may not be famous. I may not make a name for it. I may not be rich for it. But what you want me to do is what I will do. That's how Jesus lived. Look at it in Acts chapter 8 and verse 39. It was Philip 
The Bible says he was taken up by the Holy Ghost. He was taken up. And the Enoch saw him no more. He was cut away. Can the Holy Ghost take you to places you don't want to go? You know, because we often say things like, carry me, they go. But you're only thinking of, carry me to favor, Abby. Nobody praying, carry me to wilderness. That's the issue. Because the Holy Ghost knows what's good for you. You don't know what's good for you. Carry me to Canada. Zimbabwe may be good for you. You don't like Zimbabwe? You think Jesus liked the wilderness? You think it was fun in being in the wilderness? <laughs> Our ways are not his ways many times. Many times. Philip was caught, taken, as it were, raptured. And the Enoch saw him no more. I'm thinking, I'm still thinking. Can the Holy Ghost want my service in Sudan? And he just raptured me. He said, I want to just borrow you for five minutes. Just come and go. Or I will say, no, return me. It is Holy Ghost. You know, they take permission. I will just carry me like that. There are many things God wants to do with you. But he's not sure if he has absolute, absolute control as you are. He's not sure you will argue with him, fight with him, resist him, quench him. He's not sure. The person who is under the influence of alcohol, now the alcohol, the controller. If the alcohol says sit down, you can sit down. If the alcohol says shout, you can shout. There are too many things you do in yourself and by yourself. It may be good, but it's still limited. It's still limiting your life. Start living. How? Come under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Many of your lives are planned out already. You know what you will do five years from now. Or your father has planned out your life. Even this course you are studying, your mother forced you to study it. When will you allow the Holy Ghost control you? To be drunk in the spirit means that you lose your control. You lose your control. I know it's something that many people are afraid of. A prideful generation. We always want to be in charge. I'm saying there's a limit God can do with you when you're always in charge. You either let God be boss or you will play boss. But two of you will not be in charge at the same time. <laughs> Choose what you want. Choose what you want. Many people fake surrender. Oh God, I give it all to you. Do you know what you're saying? In the day he says, oh yeah, let's go. What will you say? How will you respond? Yield to the Holy Ghost. Yield, 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 yield. Your value diminishes when you only yield to natural intoxicants. Your value increases when you yield to the Spirit. Our fathers became powerful because they continually yielded to the Spirit. And every time they yielded, they improved. Every time they yielded, they became better. That's how people grow in ministry, by yielding. Samuel was a little boy. All he heard was a voice. He was not sure who was speaking. He ran to Eli. Eli said, when next you hear it, respond, yield. And he began to grow. He began to grow. He began to yield until God ensured that none of his words fell to the ground in vain. Uh -huh. 
I yielded. I yielded. This is the path to true power. I say it again and again. We have used the Holy Ghost long enough. It's time for the Holy Ghost to begin to use us. It's time. We have controlled the Holy Ghost long enough. It's time for the Holy Ghost to begin to control us. Lose control! You are holding tightly to too many things. Tightly to too many things. And God is waiting. Says there can be no two captains on this ship. There can be no two pilots on this ship. I will have to drive or just watch you do your thing. I like the song that says, Jesus, take the wheels. Even though I don't know where it's driving me to, but Jesus, take the wheels. Say this after me, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Take, control. take control. Say it a minute, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Take, control. take control. The second thing that happens to a man when he's filled with the spirits, when he's drunk in the spirits, is that there is a loss of dignity. We have seen this in the text in some forms. Ephesians 5.18 Do not be drunk with wine. It only cheapens your life. Because drunkenness steals your dignity. <laughs> drunkenness steals your dignity. Proverbs 31 and verse 4 The writer says it is not fitting for a king to drink strong drink. It is not befitting of royalty to be given to intoxications. Why? We will soon read subsequent verses in other applications. But basically because drunkenness steals your dignity. That is when it is in the flesh. If a king is drunk, he may throw up, he may roll on the floor, he may behave like a psychiatric patient. It's not honorable for a king to be drunk. But that's only in the flesh. In the realm of the spirit, the way to be a king is to be drunk. <laughs> you cannot be a king. You cannot exercise dominion if you're not always drunk. What I'm saying is that you cannot exercise dominion if you're not always filled with the spirit. But much more than that, the emphasis for this point is the instruction to do away with natural dignity when you are trusting God for being drunk or for getting drunk. Do away with natural dignity. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 23. Basically, Saul was chasing David. He arrived at the house of Samuel where David was hiding. The Bible says he went thither to Nauts in Ramah and the spirit of God was upon him also and he went on and prophesied until he came to Nahot in Ramah and verse 24 he stripped off his clothes he lost his dignity this was a king hallelujah yes. are you still with me yes, sir. he stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night Wherefore they say he saw also among the prophets. The emphasis is he stripped off his clothes. The Holy Ghost wants you to strip off certain dignities that you have put on before you can get drunk in the spirit. Many of you, I say it again and again and again, you are too composed for what God wants to do with your life. Too composed. 
You're too careful. You're working on eggshells. <laughs> this taste that you are is too dignified. There will only be one king of glory. And the only way to experience him is to stop being obsessed with natural dignity. Our generation to the package, even prayer, saliva must not come out. The makeup must be intact. Crying is a taboo. We don't want to seem hysterical and emotional, lest they call us extremists. But that's why there's very little potency. Our fathers did not care. Have you considered how Elijah prayed? Read the story in 1 Kings 18, putting his head between his knees, calling for rain. Oh, that's ecstasy. That's, that's radicalism. That's extremism. But that's the only way to get it done sometimes. This shukele shukele life you are doing will not respond to some demons. <laughs> you want dominion or you want dignity? Choose. Do you want to be packaged or you want to be free? Choose. You've got to choose. In that day, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost came, I can imagine Apostle Peter say, Ah, make another shout now. They're going to say, We took the shout. Why be saying, Well, you're not going to talk in another language? Ah, which kind of confusion be this? In the house of God, there's order. True. But there is a disorder of the spirit. <laughs> When Samuel was sought after, or David and Saul got there, and he began to prophesy by the Spirit, it was a chaotic situation. He how does the king remove his clothes and from morning to evening prophesy? Ah, there is a chaos of the Spirit. But we are too packaged. We are too packaged for it. <laughs> we must strip ourselves of the dignities that we have won. The ropes of natural glory. The ego of self-esteem. We must put it aside and say, it is your own glory I want. It is your own dignity I want. Before Jesus experienced resurrection power, he was crucified naked. Aha. Don't be packaged, don't be formal. There are many things we need to recover. We can't go to God's presence and be packaged. You know, it makes sense. You know, if it makes sense. You know, if it makes sense. That's why people are not saying we are drunk with new wine. There's no proof. We are too packaged. You see, if we are going to experience Acts chapter 2, we must get to a point where we abandon ourselves. Then others will now say, What do we not drink? Why you, why you be like this? That's form of potent witnessing that attracted 3,000 men. Can you imagine 3,000 men attracted? 3,000 men. We didn't count women and children. 3,000 men. And Peter used that opportunity to preach and they were saved. It began from a company of drunken men. God can do much more with drunken men. God can do much more. God cannot do much with packaged people. <laughs> Do you know what it feels like for John the Baptist to live in the wilderness and to eat honey and uh, locust all his life? 
Jesus was speaking about him and he said, what did you expect to see? You expected to see somebody packaged in royal attires? That's not how my prophets package themselves. They abandon themselves. The labor is much. There is no room for packaging. I'm not saying you should not dress nice. Our church has been reputed to be very, very good in dressing. Some people don't come out to our church because of that. They say, ah, that, that church, they're true. But uh, apart from this packaging, what you get? This one no go chase demon. No, this one no go chase. What you get? What you get? When last did you experience ecstasy in the spirit? Come on to kneel down and pray. People cannot remember. Their, their knees must not be stained. What are we doing? Is this a fashion house? Is this a social club? How did Jesus pray in Gethsemane? Uh, we took the package. That's why <laughs> that's why there's no feeling. Many of us just experience little drops and we are content with it. You want to be drunk? Then lose the sense of dignity. Come to the throne not thinking you are the dignitary. You are not the dignitary where God is. Stop overrating yourself. Excuse me. How can there be God before you and you are the dignitary? How? How? Abandon yourself. Reckless abandonment. God can do much more with your life if you can reduce your packaging. God can do much more. God can do much more. He's looking for a company of drunken men. Some of us, maybe we don't want to be ridiculed. But sometimes that's the only price to pay. The Bible says, oh, that's mocking, saying, Acts 2 verse 13, these men are drunk with new wine. They mock. It was, not, it was not a compliment. It was mockery. I would rather be mocked for being in the spirit than applauded for being in the flesh. I would rather. I would rather. I would rather. I prefer that. I prefer that. If you, got, if you want to be drunk, well, strip yourself of the dignity that you have won too dignified to experience the ecstasies of the spirit. Some of us are actually ashamed of the gospel because of these things. Too dignified. You don't want them to call you SU. You don't want them to call you Jesus person. You see that you are intoxicated over trivialities. Somebody won Nigerian Idol. You shout, hey! You post a WhatsApp status. <laughs> well, you cannot identify with Christ. You are too ashamed. Huh? When it comes to Jesus, you are too ashamed. You are too dignified. Well, God has taken note of what you are doing and what you have said. And he says, when you are ready, when you are ready, you cannot experience the ecstasy of the flesh and the spirit at the same time. Choose one. Choose one. What will intoxicate you? Choose. Choose. It's your choice. God is not going to force it on you. But being drunk in the flesh only cheapens your life. It only cheapens your life. It has no value whatsoever. The apostles were drunken men. They threatened to kill them if they preached. They say, you know, a drunken man is not afraid. There's a weird audacity about those who are drunk. If somebody is drunk, he can tell the governor, who are you? Do you know who I am? <laughs> He's drunk. 
That's what he's talking like that. He's drunk. There's an audacity. I'm telling you, God cannot do what he wants to do with your life in this state. You're too dignified. So he says, come and drink. In the day you are drunk, I will do much more with you. Your life has not started. This package life. Uh, it has not started. It has not started. To be drunk in the spirit. To be filled with the spirit. To be intoxicated in the Holy Ghost. That's life. That's life. That's life. Outrageous boldness. Nothing could stop the apostles. They were drunk. Filled with the spirit. Filled with the spirit. Stephen was filled with the spirit. We read that in Acts chapter 6. Full of faith and of power. Faced death and defied it. Stoned to death for the sake of the gospel. I see the things that cause shame amongst believers. And I wonder, what kind of Holy Ghost did you receive? You are ashamed of Jesus, ashamed of the Bible, ashamed of purity, ashamed of the church? Oh, oh my shame. You need to be drunk. But in the spirit. You are drunk with many other things. Drunk with Chelsea. Drunk with Premier League. Drunk with politics. Intoxicated by mundane things. But God matters. You are not drunk. Don't you think you've got a problem? You do. You do. Where is the ecstasy you show to other things? Where is it? Is God not deserving? Isn't he worth it? It's because you have not experienced what it means to be drunk. And it's okay. We must not force it. I tell people, don't force it. Wait for it till you get the real thing. I see many. I see what some people call mentoring and discipleship, and I laugh. People are forced to like posts, to share posts, to share flyers. It's not, you, you, don't, you don't coerce those things. Mm -mm. When they are drunk, you will tell them, stop. You do the drum because they're drunk. When you are forcing them, no, 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 no. It's not. Leave it. Just provide wine. Pray again. Jesus, send my wine. Ah, uh, some of you have left me. Some of you have left me. Pray, pray in the Holy Ghost. 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 Jesus, send my wine. It's been a while I drank. I've been intoxicated by many canal things. But it's been a while. The ecstasy of the Spirit was real to me. Jesus sent my wine. Jesus sent my wine. Jesus sent my wine. Come on. If you are praying, don't pray with dignity. <laughs> pray with desperation. Pray with desperation. Your life depends on it. Your life depends on it. There's much more God can do with you. If only you're a little bit more drunk. If only, if only, if only, if only. Strip yourself of natural dignity. It only cheapens your life. There's value in the Holy Ghost. There's a treasure in the Holy Ghost. It's Jesus, send my wine. 
la coboco dosuture de restis. Jesus, send my wine. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you for the wine. Be seated. Be seated if you can. Be seated. Let me continue teaching here. The third thing that happens when a man gets drunk in the flesh and in the spirit is that his faculties of reception or his senses will be affected. Senses are affected when people get drunk. That's why a drunk person begins to have blurry vision. The room can begin to spin. There are four people seated before him. He begins to see 18 people. Senses are affected in a drunken state. What does that mean? When you get drunk in the spirit, you will see the invincible. <laughs> That's why you begin to see the invincible. Listen to me. Just because it is not visible in the natural realm does not mean it does not exist. Angels are real, but they are not visible in the natural realm. When you see a drunken person in the natural, pointing to things that only exist in his drunken brain, <laughs> you cannot relate. Like, what are you pointing at? He's drunk. His perception has been altered. He doesn't just relate to the natural. He relates to his imaginations that have been perverted. A perverted imagination. It shall come to pass in those days I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In Acts chapter 2, there was no documentation that people saw visions we heard that they spoke in new languages we saw that the people said they were drunk but peter said this is that which was said of the prophet joel it shall come to pass in those days support my spirit upon our flesh your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions and so he referenced the activities that they experienced in Acts chapter 2 as a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. Meaning it was possible that in that day some people saw visions. It wasn't just tongues. Some people saw visions. Old men dream dreams, young men see visions. Your senses are altered. Your senses are altered. You see the invincible. People wonder, why are you behaving the way you are behaving? Well, you don't see what I'm seeing. I'm drunk. You're not. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. You are filled with wine. You don't see what I'm seeing. When a man is drunk, his senses are altered. He sees beyond the surface. Soldiers came to arrest Elisha. His servant began to panic. Said, oh, Father, what shall we do? God asked, oh, Elisha asked God, please open his eyes. Let him see what's up. Let him know what's up. And then the servants saw that there were more angels than soldiers. And he went to rest. He went to rest. When a man is drunk, sight is altered. Sight is altered. Sight is altered. Visions and revelation, they are inheritances of the believer. It's not for prophets. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. 
It didn't say your prophets. It didn't say your pastors. Every believer. You can't see only what the unbeliever sees. Mm-mm. What happens when a man is drunk? He sees differently. Your senses are altered. Your speech is altered. Your speech is altered. Your speech is altered. Drunken people don't talk normally. They stammer. They say gibberish. He that speaketh in a long tongue, speaketh mysteries unto God. No man understands what he says. But in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Your all trances are altered. Altered. Uh. Oh, when I am drunk in the Holy Ghost. 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 When I am drunk in the Holy Ghost 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 Intoxicated in the Holy Ghost Under the influence of the Holy Ghost When I am drunk in the Holy Ghost I'm getting high on the Holy Ghost. Don't worry, don't worry. We are not there yet. We are not there yet. Sit down if you can. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Yeah. Sit down, sit down, sit down. When you are drunk in the spirit, prophecies become your normal language. Do not be drunk with wine, wherever in excess, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to yourselves. Speaking. Drunkenness in the spirit is often expressed by speakings. 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 There's something God wants to say to you. But you are not drunk enough. You are not drunk enough. There are things God wants to tell your generation through your lips. But you are not drunk enough. Speaking. When I am drunk in the Holy Ghost. When I am drunk in the Holy Ghost. 
When I am drunk in the Holy Ghost. When I am drunk in the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Listen if you can. Listen. 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 Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. No scripture is of any private interpretation. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. When the Holy Ghost begins to move you, you begin to speak certain things. You begin to say certain things. There are some destinations you cannot arrive at until you say as you are moved by the Spirit. You must say something. There are some things you must say. If you don't say it, things will remain the same. You've got to say it. And the Holy Ghost can move you. It can move you. It can move you. It can move you. It can move you. The Spirit of God is upon me. For He has anointed me to preach. To preach. <laughs> There's a saying by the Spirit. That's the same by the Spirit. When I am drunk in the Holy Ghost, I am drunk in the Holy Ghost. I am drunk in the Holy Ghost. Oh, thank you. of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you needed, needed that. Hang in there if you are if you need it. But we'll go on teaching for a few more minutes. A few more minutes. I was saying that drunkenness will affect your speech, your senses. Drunkenness will affect your response to pain. When a man is drunk, he becomes numb, especially in high degrees of alcohol. Numb to pain. People that are drunk, if you slap them, they may not feel it. Numb to pain. Listen, listen. There's a lot of pain in our generation. Hearts, bitterness, wounds, bleeding hearts. God's answer is get drunk in the spirit. We cannot endure hardship when we don't get drunk in the spirit. We cannot be good soldiers when we don't get drunk in the spirit. We cannot overcome depression when we don't get drunk in the spirit. Many things will not happen to you, we don't pay you. He pay you, he pay you, he pay you. God's solution, get drunk. Proverbs 31, put it on the screen from verse 4. Proverbs 31 and verse 4. It is not for kings all and well. It is not for kings to drink wine. Not for princes to drink strong drink. Why? Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. So, getting drunk is forgetfulness. Verse 6. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish and wine unto those that are of heavy hearts. Verse 7. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. The misery you are nursing, it will not go because of time. It will go because you drank of the wine of the spirit. You drink and forget. You forget you were hurt. You forget you were offended. You forget you were broken. You forget. There is a drink that makes you forget. It's the Holy Ghost drink. It's the Holy Ghost drink. You become numb to pain. They threaten the apostles. They flog them. They say, we are still going to preach. He pay me, but he no enter. He pay me, but he no enter. Because I'm drunk. I'm high. I'm high. So threaten me all you want. Insult me all you want. Mock me all you want. Now here we do. With Jesus. With the Holy Ghost. Now here we do. He know they pain us. Because we are drunk. When you are not drunk, everything will pay you. Everything. Somebody does not greet you, he pay you. Somebody does not have a birthday, he pay you. Come up higher. Get high in the Holy Ghost. 
Benumbed to pain. <laughs> oh dear Lord. Oh dear Lord. When you combine these three things I've mentioned, altered perception, altered vision, influenced speech, and numbness to pain, the effect is that you begin to do impossible things. You begin to attempt impossible things. When you see in the spirit and speak by the spirit and you are numb to pain, you begin to attempt impossible things. Now, what you make David carry stone, go meet Goliath. He's drunk. He's drunk. He's drunk. Now, what you make Gideon carry 300 soldiers, go fight war. Drunk. You cannot live the life of faith if you're not drunk. Listen. Your logic is obstructing the move of God. Your logic. God has to bypass it. It can only happen when you get drunk. Your logic is bypassed. How shall these things be? The Holy Ghost shall overshadow you. Ah. Your logic. You took the reason now. You took the thing calm. Ay, 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 ay. It's not a show. Just enjoy the moment and drink your own. Drink your own. If you want to do the impossible, you've got to see the invincible. You've got to hear the inaudible. You've got to touch the intangible. It can only happen if you are drunk. If you are drunk. If you are drunk. You can do more. I'm telling you, you can do more with your life. This one you are doing is is child's play. You can do much more with your life. If only you can be drunk. Let me mention one more thing here. What happens when you are drunk? Ogogoro is addictive. Listen. Drunkenness is an addiction. God wants you addicted to him. So he gives you a cup. He gives you a cup. God is jealous. He has seen your addiction to soccer. He has seen your addiction to female things. He says, aren't you, aren't, aren't you addicted to me? So he gives you a cup. Say drink. So that when you get intoxicated, you will be addicted to Jesus. When you are drunk with wine, other addictions multiply. When you are drunk with the spirit, you have only one addiction. God. Listen, when you are drunk with God, there are not too many things that will interest you. Not too many things will interest you. Not too many things will make you smile. Not too many things will make you shout. Because, well, you have tasted the best drink. Ay, ay, ay. There are many wines, but nothing matches the wine of the Spirit. Nothing. Nothing. There are many drinks, but nothing compares to the drink of the Holy Ghost. Nothing. You cannot drink new wine and crave old wine again. 
Uh-uh. Your addiction problems, anything you are addicted to, whether sinful addictions or natural addictions, when you drink of the spirit, you will not suffer that for it. You think you cannot pray during football match? It will shock you. You. When you are addicted to God, it will suppress your mentis. You can shut down. Shut down. I'm not interested. But you can't force it. It's like wine. It's like gogoro. If you don't drink it, it will happen. Stand to your feet. Pray. Pray. I see invisible. I hear thing of the blue. I touch intangible. I do. The impossible I see I
Put it in a specific place. Listen. Try and listen. Try and listen. Try and listen. I will say in the spirit, and you will say, I see. I will say in the spirit, you will say, I hear. I will say in the spirit, apparently, uh, just put the first verse of the song. We'll use that as a guide. And then you will say, I church. And I will say in the spirit, and then you will say, I do. So, are we together? Your cup is here already. Your cup is here. 
and say it. Lift your hands. Oh, glory, 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 glory. In the spirit! Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. In the spirit! The sound of many waters. In the spirit! Touch, 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 touch. Come on. Touch it. Touch it. Touch it. Touch it. One matter. In the spirit. I do the impossible. There are breakouts of healings here. Healings. Breakouts of healings. You begin to do what you could not do. By the spirit. In the spirit. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> when I am drunk in the Holy Ghost 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 when I am drunk in the Holy Ghost, Barabas take me and the Kerebellos to Robaranana, Boko Brufis take Naradabala, Borobos, We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E 
at your would has come. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.